Welcome to the first episode of Frank Warren's Heavyweight Podcast. Obviously, I'm not Frank Warren. You're thinking, why is this guy speaking? I'm helping Frank make this podcast on a week-by-week basis. This is Frank Warren. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. <laughs> um, we are currently in Las Vegas, and we are on our way to meet our first guest, because the whole premise of this is basically opening up Frank's contact book, having a look down, phoning people that we can go around to their houses and have a little bit of a conversation and, and talk to them about their interesting lives. And we've picked somebody that is absolutely perfect for the first guest, haven't we? We have the man himself. The one and only lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Tyson Fury. There you go. We're going around to the place that he's staying at uh, in Las Vegas for a little bit of a chinwag. What type of things are you are you looking to get out of the conversation with Tyson? Because you know him extremely well. I think just for Tyson to be himself. You know, he's a very interesting character and he's obviously had lots of things happening to himself in his life. I mean, obviously the fact that he's been what he is or has been world heavyweight champion, he's lineal champion, um, he's a WWE wrestling star, he's a top-selling author of his book, he's even made a record with Robbie Williams in a number one chart album for Chris, last Christmas. I'm expecting him to you know, just say what's got him to where he is now. Have you been practicing your singing voice just in case he asked you to sing with him? And we're looking for a new song to sing. I told him I can't do American Pie anymore. I'm American Pied out. <laughs> Maybe a crooner, seeing as that we're in Las Vegas. Anyway, here we go. Let's get over to Fury's house for a little bit of a chinwag. It's a nice little setup, this, Tyson. Do you always use this location when you're out in Vegas? Yeah, I have stayed here twice for the last two camps and I stayed next door, just a couple of doors across for the, the fight before that. Yeah. Uh, we know everyone in the area, everyone's really welcoming and uh, they bring brown like some brown sugar and some loaves of bread and things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've even, I've even got a plaque off the lady next door. Um, she's been and got me a plaque all engraved, so yeah. Sounds good. See, now you're a Vegas resident. You're here, man. This is, this is you. This is us living the dream life. Frank, I won't get your take on this. This man is absolutely made for Vegas, isn't he? He's just made to entertain. He's the most unique character. And without a doubt, in boxing, in my time, I've had two boxers, been involved with two boxers who I think have been the most entertaining. Um, many years ago, Nassim Hamid. Mm-hmm. But this is different gravy. This is, um, he's unbelievable. Can you remember the first time that you met him? Yeah, the first time was going back, well, I recall, is going back to when he first fought Derek Chisora. Well, not the first time you come across the Gypsy King. No, I think it's properly, yeah. Spoiled all your yeah, plans, Frank. Yeah, spoiled my plan. Sorry, mate. Del Boy, that, no, that was the first fight, and he'd done a, he, he, he done a job on him. Because um, if he had beat me, he was getting Klitschko, wasn't he? <laughs> he was, yeah. Well, we were working hard to get it, and, uh, but anyway. No, this was the first one. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. the first one. Yeah. Even they, then, because yeah. Vladimir pulled out, didn't he, yeah. twice from yeah. that yeah. first fight. And then we had a meeting. We started Box Nation, and it was many years later, and we met just, be, just after Christmas, wasn't it? Like, something like a couple of days after Boxing yeah. Day. Yeah. And that was down in uh, St Pancras Hotel. And uh, we met up and we did a deal. And we put together a series of fights and it culminated in Derek Chisora again. Was that 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, it was coming up a run of about five or six wins against all guys, top ten ranked guys, good yeah. performance. And Tyson had just had a couple of fights, I think, fall through. And um, I said to him, whoever wins this fight, guaranteed, I'll guarantee they get the number one spot and they'll become mandatory challenger to Klitschko. Mm-hmm. 
I was in Chisora camp at the time, so he knows that, so how it is. And as I say, I, I thought Derek would give him a real good fight. And, and for the reason being, I'd been out 18 months yeah. as well, mm, yeah. and I only had the one bum fight, really. Yeah, yeah. Coming um, back, fat as a pig. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, uh, and the fight, when it got on, he, Derek Chisora, who really trained hard for it and at that time was flying, yeah. did not win one second of any round. I mean, he'd done an absolute job on it, and I pulled him out of the fight. The mm. corner, I kept saying to him, pull him out. In the end, I, I went in and pulled him out of it. And let me tell you something. I had a chest infection for two weeks before that fight. It was on antibiotics and everything. And Peter said, just pull out the fight yeah. and we'll reschedule. I said, no, not third time. I'm not having yeah. two, three fights fall through on me. Yeah. So I fought anyway. And uh, I was absolutely ill for that fight. Yeah. And I still beat him. I mean, he'd done a job. It wasn't yeah. just that. He just done, and I remember immediately after that fight, I, just, I remember saying to him and also the press, 100% he'll beat Klitschko. He's got the style, that, you know, the switch hitting and that. I mean, I, I was so impressed with it, and he did a did a brilliant job. Mm. Regarding those moments there when you when you were signing him, we know that he can box. He's elite. But talk to me about his personality. Is, it, is he a promoter's well, it's dream? Just, uh, it's just fun, isn't it? You know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, this business can be a real pain in the backside. You're working with people, and sometimes you work with people you don't want to work with. Being very honest, but it's just it's just a. He's, he's, he's great to work with. I, I enjoy it. We have a laugh, don't we? And we yeah. get on, I think we get on okay. And, uh, and it's just, and that's how it should be. Mm. And it is fun. And it's entertaining, especially fight around fight week and the press conferences. I remember he came to a press conference when the border control had a problem with him, even the old gag on him. It's just, you know, this is him doing it. It's not, not me coming out with this. He's, he, he's, he's his own promoter. He promotes himself. He's just a, he's a genius at it. No doubt about it. When you were a kid, Growing up, what were the things that influenced that? That you've maybe seen? Was it, for example, WWE or something like that? Have you, have you seen people in press conferences? You thought, I fancy no, a bit of that. I was a big fan of the outspoken fighters like Prince Nassim, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. uh, all those guys. Uh, I was always thinking that if you're going to be a boxer, just being a boxer is not good enough. Even if you're good, yeah. it's just not going to be good enough. I remember watching Chris Eubank and everybody hated him and he was the outlaw and everybody wanted him to lose, but they always tuned in. Um, same with Prince Naz. Uh, people, 95% of people wanted him to lose, but they watched and they tuned in. Uh, and I thought to myself, yeah, I want to be one of those characters in boxing. I don't want to be uh, the guy who people want to win because I always wanted that drive to do well. And ever since I was an amateur, I was always very outspoken and always did crazy stuff. And I even had one fight where I fought oh, the full fight Southpaw as yeah. an amateur yeah, yeah, yeah. in Withinshaw um, Forum in, in my final amateur fight. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I took this kind of style from. And obviously, as the years went by, I sort of owned it and uh, made it my own. Mm. I've become um, a man to be rivaled on trash talk and uh, entertaining press conferences and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, the iconic ones, like you've just mentioned, covering your mouth, Batman, all those types of things. Where do you dream them up? You just sat at home going, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. spontaneous, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, um, the Batman thing. I had that plan for a long time, but never had a fight big enough or worthy enough to (laughs) do it. Because you can do some of these crazy antics in small fights and nobody hears about it. Nobody cares even. But when you do the crazy things on the massive fights, then the whole world gets to see it. And it crosses from a different audience. Of course, yeah. The Batman thing took me from boxing fans and adults to kids. Yeah. Yeah. Same with the wrestling. The wrestling's made me a crossover star from boxing fans and adults to children again. Yeah. Um, and that's how all these wrestlers and famous people, they do it. They get the, the kids on side and, and that's it. 
yeah. and you become a crossover star. And that's what we do with Nassim Hamid when he signed. You know, our market, we are targeted kids. I mean, I'm talking about young kids because in my mind, I remember my kids at the time, was it the Ninja Turtles? They drove me mad about the Ninja Turtles. So we marketed, marketed into kids, little kids' magazines and the young kids picked up on it so the parents pick up on it. And that, that was how it works. But Tyson, as I say, he's got this, this you know, he's, he's switched on about it. He's, yeah. he's, he, is, he is a promoter's dream. Are, are you finding that you're learning from him as well? Because obviously the WWE thing last year, that opens up another whole market. Well, I learned that from the newspapers. I didn't learn it from him, but <laughs> No, but I mean, as in the way that you go about promoting no, it's, because he's targeting it, it, no, new markets. It's, it's, look, we all do various stunts. And that's, a, that's the job we're in. We've got to bring the, whatever we're doing to the public attention. And, yeah. you know, we've not been bad doing it over the years, but he takes it to another level. because, And also because he's intelligent. He's, not, you know, he's a very intelligent man. And, yeah. You know, and he's... It, 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 as I say, it's, it's, it's just a joy to be to working with him. Talk to me about the WWE thing last year because I know that your, your little boy's a big fan. Yeah. That must have been brilliant for you to be able to bring him into that world and then obviously him see you in the ring doing, doing that type of stuff. My two older kids love it. They play it on the PlayStation all the time. Um, they got the action figures and all that sort of stuff. And when I came back, um, after having the cut in my last fight, I was home about a week and I get a phone call around about six o'clock on a Wednesday evening saying, would you be interested in this yeah so I automatically said definitely yes um, and before I knew it I'd um, made a deal and I was on my way to LA the next day <laughs> with a full family for a month and it was all a bit of a rush rush thing because the launch of the biggest deal for WWE history on Fox yeah. had just been done 490 million dollar deal they'd done um, with Fox and the, I wanted to be there. They wanted me to be there at the launch in LA. It was on a Friday, uh, Friday night uh, Raw. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. Or is it Smack, Smackdown's Just Friday it, night? Yeah. Monday <coughs> night Raw. So it was all a, a big rush thing. Gets over there, gets checked in from one to the other, straight into the building. Kids loved it. Um, and then when the, me and Bron got into a bit of an altercation at the um, ringside, I didn't know what to expect. None of it was rehearsed. We just sort of went with it. Could you have had a little bit of acting skills? <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the joke thing about it all was he was supposed to throw someone into the, the bollard thing, the yeah, barrier. Yeah. Just in front of you, just where you were sat. Just in front of me. Yeah. So yeah, that was the only thing I knew that was happening. Right. But what happened was he threw him right into him. He almost come over. And I really did fall over back into the crowd. <laughs> And I thought, shit, I'm looking at the right thing here. I've got to do something. And all of a I've jumped over the barrier going nuts. And uh, just doing the Tyson Fury antics, really. I think, Frank, the first time I think we saw this was back in when George Groves fought um, James, James DeGale, DeGale at the O2. When, did it, yeah, yeah. when I did it to Derek Chisora yeah. before he was ever going to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah so it's been a trait of mine and I went to Canada and done it with the Commonwealth champion uh, Nevin Pajek at the time called him out the same way <laughs> and then I thought right I'm going to do it to Braun as well and then I got evacuated out of the building by about 50 security guards bigger than me and I was like trying to get to him and all that and then we uh, we met up again and um, kicked off again and again and again and again and the funny thing about the WWE was as a fan I'm watching it I didn't know what the hard work that goes into it. Yeah. It's a non-stop organisation like a cruise line. It never has a day off. It runs 365 days a year. And they do they do seven shows so a week, a week. Yeah. every night. Jeez. These people are on the show every night. Um, Ric Flair's daughter, Charlotte Flair, yeah. she 
she last year she did every single show she wrestled that many times every night of the week wow she never missed one um the commitment they put in yeah. is second. I've never seen work ethic like. So you've got a new found respect for them. Hundred percent, like yeah, yeah. the the work ethic that they go from one place to the next to the next to the next is absolutely yeah. constant. Like they get all the adrenaline up. Like I'm doing for this fight here now. They get in the mode, but they they go out of it, come back in it tomorrow. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And the training, I was always led to believe that it was all like it's all fake, right? Yeah, yeah, WWE's yeah. like entertainment. It's not not real. But let me tell you, I gets in the ring and it was like I'm flicking like a, sp- a spongy canvas or whatever, or a big mattress on the floor or something it's underneath it. And it was like that. It was like a boxing ring. I couldn't believe it. And the ropes was like treble tighter than a boxing ring. When you brand into them, they left all marks all over you, like welt marks. And I'm thinking, this isn't easy. <laughs> and then like, when you was jumping off the top rope onto the hard floor, I'm thinking, oh, I can't do it. I'll break my arm or something. And then getting slammed onto the floor from like, eight feet tall from Bron. I definitely thought I was going to break bones. Uh, a lot of the, the fighters and wrestlers, well, they, have, they? Yeah. They, they break the necks, yeah. they break the spines, they do damage and stuff. Like Hulk Hogan's had six spinal operations Jeez. for the same thing, and a lot of them get really injured from it. They don't have long, well, they do. Obviously, look how long they go on, yeah, but yeah. they get battered to pieces. And that was shocking to me because I didn't know what to expect. And th- these guys were like, I'll show you big giant heavyweights just going boom, not protecting themselves on the floor. And I'm thinking, I just can't do this. This, I, I can't do it. So, one, I can't. And two, I'm not going to risk injuring myself. Oh, of course, yeah. After a while, they taught me these techniques and whatever. And I was picking it up. And uh, Triple H uh, was like, This guy's one of us. He learns so quick. Like, he said, we, He scouts athletes from all over the yeah. world. He said, That's what I do. I'm like a talent scout. And he said, only the most athletic people can do this. He said, I've never seen anyone come from any sport and do what you're doing in a short time, in a week. He said, you picked it right up. I said, listen, I'm not picked up in a week. I said, I've done this all my life. I said, me and my brothers do this on the garden for an hour. <laughs> so it, it was really, really good experience. And then to get my son with me yeah. and take him down to the performance center at NXT in Orlando, everybody's there training and working out, practicing the routines. It was just next level. For me as a fan, it was unbelievable to see my kids and that, looking at that, they'd get to walk down the plank and the music was on like ring walks, they're having their own goes and stuff. They love it. it was unbelievable. And, you know, Vince McMahon, what a brain he's got on him. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's got to be one of the longest reigning people to, to do anything well, like this. He, he owns it. He's probably he's been going brilliant. as long as you have, haven't he? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> um, and he was telling me how, how, the, how he got started in it. Him and Bob Arum, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, they promoted Evil Knievel, jumping over the, the Grand Snake Canyon River or whatever it That's was. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it all went wrong in a rocket ship or something. And then he went on from there. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Great bunch of people to work with. Um, and really, really good experience. And then when I got to Saudi Arabia, I thought, this shit got real. We're in a stadium with 90,000 people, 100,000 people in Riyadh, yeah. capital city. Um, and got they're the, crazy. Those fans are you've absolutely... You've got these adults, yeah. like, grown people. <laughs> uh, well, they love absolutely it, nuts like children. It was absolutely unbelievable to see. Mm. You know, the WWE fans are a different type of fan. Mm. They, they know it's not full contact, but they, it's almost like they believe everything that goes on. Mm. 
and some of the stuff that went on, like some people were asking me in hotels in California, they was like, oh my God, that guy, when he came from behind you, that was out of order. <laughs> like, that should not go on. This is America. That sort of stuff doesn't happen here. You don't sidewind someone from behind. <laughs> I'm like, it was absolutely terrible. It was bang out of order. And um, just an amazing experience it was. Gets over there and... You, you, you never know the result until it happens. Yeah. You don't know how it's going to go. But I was adamant one thing, I ain't going to lose. <laughs> I don't care what, what's going on, I don't lose. <laughs> not um, so last minute we, uh, we got the word what was going to happen and I had to chill him. <laughs> but the crazy thing was, right, in training, they were like, can you throw a working punch? I was like, um, working punch? <laughs> he said, I want you to hit him in the face, but not hard. It's like, with no gloves on, if I hit him in the face, he's going to be smashed. <laughs> so he's going to be cut or hurt. Like, just open your hand. I'm like, okay. So anyway, in the, the fox thing, when we was attacking each other, he came and I like, I threw a left hook at him, missed him, but one knuckle caught him on the temple, right? One knuckle. <laughs> and he went. And he, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've, I've really done him. I've done him. And I'm holding on to him like this. I hit one of the guys I don't know I can't remember which one it was because there's 20 of us in there yeah I'm just swinging big hooks one connected and I literally went like a limp rag and I'm holding him I think shit I've done him all of a sudden I got an elbow on my cut and I thought right this is it it's kicking off here now the cut was only healed two weeks as well and a thing that's running through my mind now I'm thinking fox Fox is to do with PBC, PBC Wilder, oh, Wilder yeah. don't want the rematch, open the fucking cut up. Yeah. It's off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm thinking, right, this is it now. Yeah, this is it. They've yeah. set me up. Yeah. But it obviously it was all accidental. I mean, there was no such yeah. thing, so it was just me and my uh, suspicious mind <laughs> going on and on. But yeah, what an experience. What I a bet. bunch of people. I, Everybody there. In, uh, I think it was about early... About 1989, the first, it was the WWF then, and, the f yeah. and I built London Arena, 12,500-seat venue in London, and we put the first one ever on. Wow. In that, going back then, Vince McMahon, the very first one in England. Wow. And uh, I remember going into the arena, going to work in the morning. Paris, can you get me there. water? Does anyone want a water? Yes, please. If you don't mind. That would be amazing. Thank you. And we went in in the morning, and there was all this queue of people all around the building. I thought, what's this? All, you know, sleeping bags and everything. We had a fight, and I thought, oh, we've had a touch here. They're coming to buy some tickets, but they come, it was all the wrestling fans. They all came for the wrestling. It, it was, we could have sold it out about ten times over. It was amazing. Wow. What, what was it like doing the school run when you got back? Because everybody would have known you as Prince's dad, for example, you know what I mean? Were you well, now a superstar in the wrestling world? Um, for the first time Thanks, in your life, I was having people come over to me. Hey, you're that guy, that wrestling guy. <laughs> when I was in America, yeah? I, was, I came to Vegas for a couple of days while I was here, like on, because they had a show at the uh, T-Mobile. And it was like, oh my God, you're that wrestling guy, you're gonna be Braun, right? I was like, yeah, I'm that wrestling guy, ain't I? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it blew up massive, and, and the kids at the schools and, and all the children now, they know me for that as well. So it, it really is an amazing uh, story. That's pretty cool, that though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Where you can take well, the most amazing thing tick, was yeah. off your bucket list. The most amazing thing was, see, Fox. Al Heyman's got his fight deal with Fox, yeah, and they have Deontay Wilder, and he's an American. But guess what? They didn't want Deontay Wilder because he just hasn't got the charisma. They wanted a more. 
Gypsy King to do it. And it was very happy. So was I. Are you done with it? Are you going to do it again, do you think? You know what? I've got this big fight, big, big fight to contend with in a couple of days. So That's sort of worry about we'll, uh, we'll see, see what happens um, after that. The thing is, when you, when you see him do that, the, the world of possibilities just goes like that, doesn't it? You can see him doing movies. You can see him doing... Do it? No, well, my friend out here, Robert Earl, yeah, yeah. Um, owns Planet Hollywood, and he, we got in touch, didn't he? he wanted him, they, wanted, they wanted him in the... Uh, in the, was it the uh, Rocky... The, they was making another Rocky movie. Yeah. And Expendables, and he said to me, can we get... Let's speak to Tyson. We've got the fight coming up. We're going to meet on, on, on uh, Sunday about it, but it's... Uh, He's, you, what do you think what he's done? Best-selling book? Yeah. Was it 200,000 copies you've done now? Yeah. Best-selling box and autobiography in history? Yeah. yeah. And Amazon? Mm-hmm. Best-seller Amazon, Sunday Times bestseller. Yeah. And I can't even spell. Yeah. <laughs> Singing? Yeah. My and number rubbing. one album. Yeah. Christmas album went to number one, the album did. I mean, you think of a turnaround. I WWE mean, superstar? I know, it's the whole bit. And, 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 and the most charismatic and best fighter in the world, best heavyweight in the world. And you think about this, what a turnaround. I mean, he's got so much to be proud of. Yeah. What he's done, it's been brilliant. You working with him and knowing, knowing him for such a long period of time, from where he was to where he is right at this moment in time, that's the word, isn't it? The word is proud. The word is pride of, of, well, of, course of this man. It, he's, you know... He went to a terrible place, and you know it's all well documented. I'm, I, my younger brother committed suicide, and I know it's a terrible thing to someone. And when you think back where, he's, where he was and where he's come to, and the help of obviously he's got a great family, supportive family, you, you couldn't you know you couldn't wish it any more for someone than what he's done. I think I think he's a credit to himself. How does that make you feel when people recognise you know, the journey a, that you've been on? It was a hell of a journey, I'll tell you that. You know, I went from being a kid to achieving my dreams, becoming heavyweight champion of the world, and to have everything, so it would seem, but to be so low mm. at that point was... Um, I just expected more from what I'd achieved. I expected a better feeling than I had, and I thought that would, like, cure all my problems if I did that, but it didn't. It just sort of went worse. And no matter what was looming or what I had coming up, it was no good because depression was killing me inside and there wasn't a day that went by honestly that I just didn't want to die. Mm. Um, it was sad times for me, very sad for a long period of time and every day was grey and dark and uh, I didn't think life was worth living and you know unless you've been to that place you don't know what I'm talking about but I'm sure there's a lot of people who be listening to this and they'll know what I'm talking about yeah. but hope is around the corner because I've been as high as any man can go and as low as any man can go and I know the difference um, in mindsets um, and you can get well again and if I can go from 400 pound 28 stone to get back down fit to, to 18 stone again mm-hmm. and get my life back on track and go from hearing voices in my mind to being perfectly healthy again and active as an athlete then anybody can do anything they want to do because I couldn't physically or mentally go any further than I was any lower. The only, the, the only thing worse than what I could have had was, was being dead. Um, so it was a, it's been a hell of a turnaround, that's for sure. It's, like you said, you've achieved amazing things in boxing and all the things that we've just been talking about there, the WWE stuff, but is this your biggest achievement, do you think? No matter what achievements I can ever make in boxing or in any sports or any, any sort of um, anything, entertainment, business, anything, no books, no songs, nothing can ever can compete with what I did against mental health. Um, because it's a serious 
killing problem that we have in, in the world. Yeah. And it's the biggest killer for men, 35 and under, than anything. There's nothing more that kills more people under 35 than the mental health problems. And it is rife. And I think now with a lot of high-profile people coming out and speaking about it, it's sort, sort of killing the stigma about having these problems. Yeah. And that's the whole key. You know, communication is the answer to all problems, mm-hmm. even in any relationship, anything. Yep. Me and Frank's got a problem, and he bottles it, and I bottle it, then it's, then it's just going to get worse. And it's and it's not the fest, they're on real yeah. But if we sit down and communicate, right, Frank, X, Y, Z, I want that change, and that change, and that change, he says to me, right, do that, that, and that, that's it. And then it's done, and we both go to bed at night thinking, you know what, what was we upset about? Mm. Talking, communication, and without talking about your mental health problems and, and your your real problems in life it's you're never going to overcome them and I didn't have a family that I could talk to because none of my family had any experience or education well, it's a macho or, thing as well isn't yeah, it that's what they're it all is, tough guy fighting yeah. men and all that nobody wants to show a sign of weakness and I, I believe that a lot of my family struggle with mental health mm-hmm. but I was the only one ever and even today to come out and speak about it and say right man up to it and say look yeah, yeah. I have got problems and here we are but I never had that, so I didn't know who to speak to. And my wife didn't understand it because she comes from a sane family. Yeah. Like, her family are all pretty level mentally. So she didn't understand. And my own brothers and dad and mother and all that thought I was just, like, attention seeker or whatever. They didn't realise what was going on. They was going, why don't you behave yourself? You've got everything in the world and you're not happy. God's going to strike you down dead because you've been given everything and you're still not happy. Mm. So I was sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place with it. And I didn't know what to turn to. The only only way out I saw was was killing myself. And it all it did happen. I was thinking about it for a while, and I um, I thought, right, this is the day that I'm going to do it. Got in my car, said to Paris, I won't be coming home. Put my phone off, chucked it away. Yeah. I actually threw my phone out the window. Um, and I was I was driving in a in a Ferrari that I bought Paris actually. Um, and I was heading towards the bridge at a very high speed, I won't say, because I'll get a driving ban. But, uh, and I was going to crash the car into a bridge, and that was going to be how I was going to go out. I saw it on a movie once. Um, and as I was driving towards the bridge, I physically and mentally heard a voice speak to me and say, don't do this, because you're going to uh, destroy everybody's lives. Um, think about your kids and all that yeah. Yeah. and they say like before death your life flashes in front of you and all that but it didn't and then I started to seek medical advice around about 2016 mid 2016 and mm. I, I went to local um, therapists talk to speak to people and I this ain't going to be for me telling this, this man all my problems he's going to go and divulge all my business everywhere champion of the world to all his mates down the pub later uh, have you seen t- this This guy, Tyson Fury? Mm. Told me this, told me that. And that was the attitude I went in there with. And I was speaking to him, and after about 45 minutes, I felt relaxed, and I felt like, okay, this is working. Yeah. And then I thought, I might not go back, you know, I didn't know if I liked it or not. And then he said, I'll see you on Friday, come back Friday. And I was thinking, yeah, you'll never see me again. And then Thursday came, I was like, I couldn't wait to go back on Friday. It was almost like a need to go there. I'd done it. I was in therapy. Yeah. I'd done the same thing. And I... You unburden yourself when you feel, you know... Yeah, and I went back there and I felt better and better and better. Um, My dad... I I moved back to my dad's. Me and Paris moved out of the house. Moved into a uh, 
caravan and we moved on to my dad's yard in uh, Wimslow mm-hmm. and we was doing like family stuff like going for walks and just forgot about boxing completely the titles were relinquished so I could focus on my uh, health I was still very heavy I was still drinking um, and that carried on on and off for like over a year mm-hmm. when it got to like final straw was 2017 October the 31st and I must have come to my senses for a minute I was out on a Halloween party in Morecambe, in Lancaster. I was wearing a big glow-in-the-dark skeleton suit, 28 stone, all of me. had a mask on because I was so embarrassed of how I looked. I uh, couldn't look at myself in the mirror, I was the right state. And I had this pint of beer. I remember looking for it through this mask. I looked around myself and I was thinking, what the fuck am I doing here with all these children? What seemed like children to me, they wasn't children, they were all adults, but I felt like a granddad in there with a wife and kids at home. Yeah. And these people are all from university, starting their life. Yeah. They're thinking about what they're going to do with their future. They've got plans that want to do this, that and that. And there's me, accomplished to death, um, putting myself in an early grave. And I thought to myself, for the first time in three years, I thought, I'm going to change. I tried before many times. I just couldn't do it. I trained for two or three days, think this is too hard, go back on the drink. Every time I got on the drink, I'd become heavyweight champion of the world again. I'm heavyweight champion of the world. Bam, 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 shadow boxing. I'm coming back in the morning. <laughs> Paris had seen it a million times. Like, I was a man who cried wolf. Tomorrow it would come and I didn't feel like I'd be in a worse depression. And I didn't do anything. And then that night I knew, some funny reason, I had a calm feeling that came over me. Put the beer down, got home. It was about eight o'clock. I come through the door. She said, Who's that? I said, it's me, your old Merley. Because you was usually going to go for two days or whatever, not come home. Mm. And I went upstairs, went to my room, took the suit off, and I got down on my knees, took my clothes. I was just stood there in my underpants. And I got on my knees in a dark room and I was crying out to God to help me because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Wow. And I remember reading George Foreman's autobiography. And he did the same thing about his nephew who was dying. And he got on his knees and he prayed to God. He didn't feel like he'd done enough praying. So I was down there for about 10, 20 minutes praying to myself, crying, pouring my heart out. I remember saying, like, if there's any way you can bring me back to boxing, let it happen. And I, got, I went down there as a 28-stone man, depressed and down and out. But when I got back up, I felt like a welterweight. And I knew that I was going to start the regain mission. And at this time, I had a UK anti-doping court case going on. I was suspended by the Boxing Board of Control. I was 28 stone and mentally unstable. So even if I was in shape and fit as fiddle, I still wasn't able to come back because I was suspended and had a massive case looming over me. But I had faith that I was going to come back and it was all going to go away. Like nothing was going to happen to me and I was going to be fine. And I must start training now. And I said to Paris, in the morning, I said, I start back. She was like, yeah, 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 I believe you. And the next morning, I got up, got my sweatsuit out, dusted the dust off it. <laughs> I, went, I was planning on running a mile. And I'm a man who can run 20 miles. I've run a marathon now without training for it. And I didn't get didn't get a quarter of a mile without stopping. Mm. My back felt like it was going to break. Um, I had a massive stomach on me, two massive love handles, and they were moving all over. And I thought, this is going to be hard. I remember walking, stopping, and walking. As I was walking, I was looking on Instagram, and I saw a video from Deontay Wilder, 
and he said, oh, I saw Fury the other day at some show. He's finally gone. Goodbye, uh, Tyson. He'll never make a comeback. And it was a shame like that it happened or whatever. And, uh, and uh, then I remember seeing another thing saying he would knock Mike Tyson out in his A-day and all this. And I'm thinking, I can beat that fella. Um, wouldn't it be fitting for some big fat bald-headed fella to come out of retirement after three years on, on alcohol and substance abuse and mental health problems to get back and be able to beat that fella? Mm. I was thinking, that would be something as I was walking. And I remember phoning Ben Davison up and saying, um, ben, I said, I'm ready now to, to train full-time because I met Ben earlier in the year. I went to training camp with Billy Joe in Marbella for a couple of weeks. I came back and I had, I had all problems, so I ended up getting off the rails again. Um, so from that day, I called Ben. Ben came to mine and we started training twice a day for, um, for a few months and then the court case, it went away. We called it quits, mm -hmm. not guilty. So that was a great one, and everyone thought I was going to get a 12-year ban, whatever. And so I had faith in that, and then everyone said, OK, no boxing licence, the boxing board won't give you a licence. And I, I had faith that they would. And I applied for a licence, and they said, right, if you can get made fit again, medically, by a doctor, we'll give you a licence back, we'll lift a suspension. Mm -hmm. Went to the doctor, doctor said he's perfectly fine now. And I went past all the tests, and they gave me the boxing licence back. And then there was a matter of signing up with a promoter. Mm. Um, and, I'd, and Frank had always delivered on what he said to me uh, in the past. Um, he gave me two, three fights on Box Nation. Um, and then I had the Klitschko fight, went off the rails, and then I thought to myself, I'm going to come back. I, I really do owe Frank, because whatever reason why... We, the fight with Klitschko never happened and I ended up coming out very, very, very uh, bad off out of that fight. And I think Frank would have put it on and I've been very wealthy out of it. Um, so I thought, like, I'm going to go with Frank because I, I hated Eddie Earn at the time. Um, and that was it. I wanted, I wanted to go with Frank Warren. Mm -hmm. And he did a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic, actually. But I believe we were a blessing for each other. Yeah. Because Frank bought, brought me back, and then I repaid him by bringing him to the biggest fights in the world in Las Vegas, because other than me and Joshua in the UK, there's nobody else who could even dream of crossing the Atlantic and coming and boxing in Las Vegas and bringing this much entertainment and whatever. Mm -hmm. So we were both very good for each other. And uh, they said, I'm going to bring you back to Manchester, your own town we've never boxed and we're going to put a spectacle on and I was like let's do it and we came and he said right we've got BT Sports new player in the division I was like let's do this Frank let's really do it and we um, and the meeting we had with him we had a meeting and they were telling me but I was always very sceptical Frank when I was like people always promising me stuff yeah. and not delivering because I've had that a lot in my life uh, and I always had that negative outlook on stuff and Frank said just believe in me this is going to happen I was like, okay. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, is it going to happen? Is it not? Is he just telling me what I want to wear? And then before I knew it, it was like, he's back. The poster was out everywhere and we ended up selling out the MEN Arena 20,000 uh, tickets. And we'd done one of the biggest subscription-based uh, views in, yeah. in the history of the UK. Yeah. 925,000 subscribers to a new station in the first day, yeah. the first night. And I was like, okay, we're back. It was and uh, we just rolled on from there and I said to Frank I need to keep busy Frank 
because I don't want to go off the rails again. They got me another <laughs> fight. Um, August, mm-hmm. June, June 15th and August 15th. And I remember saying to Frank, like, originally we had four or five, five Four fights. It was four, before, four a fights, before a big one. Before a big one. To get me back warm again after the big layoff. I remember having one fight and I thought, you know what, I feel all right here, I feel good. I said, get me wilder, Frank. And he was like, no, 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 just have another fight first. See you after that. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be the best or nothing. Get me wilder. So we got me Pianetta first and then Wilder came to the press conference and all that. We had a big kickoff and then I went in there and boxed uh, Pianetta and then everyone was like very sceptical. This is not happening like all these rival promoters who were so jealous, so jealous, like school children, they were putting their uh, bad marks on it and all like, oh, this is a publicity stunt. Tyson Fury will never fight Deontay Wilder. He's not ready, he'll get knocked out. Yada, 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 don't be fooled. And then before we know it, contract's been signed and um, it was announced. Uh, Fury Wilder. It's happening December the 1st, 2018. <laughs> and this was within six months of my comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. June 15th to December the 1st. It wasn't six no, months, was it? No, no. It well, was less, even, even, less than six months. Even the process from January of that year to December, because you were still incredibly heavy in January of that year, weren't you? Yeah, the weight loss. That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's the weight loss. The weight the loss. And the first fight came at 19 stone 12. Therefore, that's half a fight. Yeah, yeah. And then for the Pianetta fight was 18-7, so we 18-5. And then, so it was five and a half months from start of the comeback to, to fighting Wilder after just under three years out of the ring. That, that is crazy Joke. just to talk about, isn't it? It's just crazy. And I'd lost 147 pounds, <laughs> yeah. which is 10 stone exactly. Yeah. By the time I got in the ring with Wilder. It's phenomenal. But, we, but, you know, I've got to be honest, it was himself and me, I know... My, my feelings were that he was going to beat, beat him. And I can remember your dad had a conversation. And I, I thought, you weren't there. And he's saying he shouldn't be. This is too soon. He needs a few more fights. And I said, John, I'm telling you, he'll beat him. And we had this, and it wasn't about money. Because if it was about money, we'd have waited in a safety game. It yeah. was about grabbing the fight and the confidence there. And he did beat him. He got robbed. He did beat him. Yeah. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. We, we've spoke in the week this week about the reception that you got that particular night, and I've told you on my on, it was the, amazing. on the flight on the way over, lads that had saved up loads of money to get as close as they possibly can to the action for the second, the rematch. The love of the fans, people referring to you as, he's one of us, him. He's the yeah. people's champion. That, again, must be something that you're incredibly proud Men of as well. people. Incredibly proud of, because from the first part of my career... I was the outlaw in the division. Mm. And the second part of my career, I've become a fan favourite. And the love and support I've been um, being showed over the last few years has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, You wouldn't believe the the praise I've been getting from people and the thank you messages and mail from all over the world and stuff. And it really has been an inspirational uh, journey for me um, to see this, to see a turnaround and to give people what they want, the big fights, and they give them hope. And I've had people saying, like, if he can do it, I can do it. And it's, it's been an amazing journey, that's for sure. I remember we, we, we wanted, we've got to get him on the football pitch at Manchester. And I rang him and he said, I don't, I don't want to do that. I said, go over there. And it, what about, I said, go and feel the love. That's what you were I remember feeling. Remember he, he went, out, yeah. he went out there. And the reception he got was phenomenal. It was, you know, it's, that, he, he, he has, people can relate to him. Because it's they, real. You know, it's real. It's real. It's all real stuff. That's mm. what it is.
It was like mm. a stag doing better doing uh, in LA, wasn't it? You think that's going to be good? Wait till Saturday night. <laughs> thousands and thousands of Brits travelled over. It's going to be electric. Yeah. That's the thing. Words are one thing, and goodwill messages are one thing. But when people are spending the hard-earned money to travel across the world to come and show love and support for you, and like you said, they will make it feel like a home fight on Saturday. They, they said that at the hotel. They said the arena will be half full tomorrow for the weigh-in. Yeah. So that's, that's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> it's unbelievable, and I'm big shout out to everyone who's come over to support me and everyone tuning in on TV because without the fans, what are we? We'd be exactly. over here boxing in front of two people. Yeah, without boxing fans. And you've got to tune in. It's BT Sport box office. There that's you go. You're watching. Always selling. I like you've it. Got to sell it. That's where you. How go. long are you going to go on for? I've got a free fight contract left. Yeah. Um, three more fights. So one Saturday night. And then two more after that. Because we're kind of enjoying these trips to Vegas, aren't we? These parties that this he keeps putting. This is our keep, fight in Vegas. He keeps putting parties on for us, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, as a little kid, you always dream of coming to of Vegas course, yeah. and entertaining here. And like, sometimes it's unrealistic. But I always believed that I'd come to Vegas because I always said that I'd never go to Las Vegas unless I was going to fight there. Mm-hmm. So I never, I never came over it. And there was many opportunities I had to come here on stag do's and convention trips and stuff. And I always said, no, I won't do it until I fight there. And, and finally got the opportunity last year to fight here in the summer, so absolutely fantastic. And then you put on an Apollo Creed ring walk, you put I on did. a mariachi band. Did. You've still not revealed to me what you're doing Saturday night, but it's, it's going to be special, isn't it? It'll be special, it always is. <laughs> you know, we're in the capital city here for entertainment, so I've got a little something up this sleeve here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Good luck at the weekend. Thank Good luck you. with whatever you decide to do in the future. We're looking forward to seeing the movie of The Gypsy King. Yeah, I'll have to get Denzel to... Uh, <laughs> to play me in that movie.